In music, the term having range is usually ascribed to singers, but songwriters have range too. And this month's guest, he's got it for both. I'm Tom Bailey, and this is Write You a Song. Quick reminder that Write You a Song is a monthly presentation from KNCI Radio in Sacramento and Bonneville International Communications. Recently, we hit 14,000 downloads from as far away as India, so thank you for that. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it. Take a moment to give it a review. If this is the first time you've listened, there are a lot more where this comes from. Go back through the archives and check out some of the other 25-plus interviews with songwriters like Shane McAnally, Brandy Clark, and Brett James. This month's guest is another from the younger group of songwriters currently putting their stamp on Nashville and also like some of them say Hardy or Devin Dawson he sings because in today's digital world when it comes to music it's good to be diversified now as a singer-songwriter he's had one hit so far 2018's rocking all night long but his biggest successes to this point have been as a writer penning songs and hits for Dan and Shay Justin Moore the Eli Young Band Lindsay L and Miranda Lambert that could all change though as he nears completion of his next album and as I said earlier this guy's got range. We're going to talk about all that and a lot more with Adam Hambrick on this month's episode of Write You a Song. Adam Hambrick, thank you for joining us this month on Write You a Song. We appreciate it. Man, thanks for having me. Uh, you are one of the hotter young songwriters in Nashville, and you are also a singer uh, as well. And you have an amazing voice, and I want to kind of get into sort of the dichotomy of that with you because, I mean... If you just wanted to be a singer, you could totally do that, but you are also a hell of a songwriter, too. Have you always been comfortable with those two things, or did you always know you could sing and the songwriting came later? How how did that manifest itself as you were coming of age? Sure. When I was growing up, uh, my dad's a pastor, you know, and my mom's a piano player. And so growing up, like, we just always sang and, and, and played music and um, from a really young age, I remember my mom would write songs and she would like play them at church, you know, and that was a, that was a thing. And so I kind of decided, uh, I kind of had it modeled for me that if, if you want to play music, I mean, you know, you should, you should write songs to play, you know? And so I, I even remember like the, the first song I ever wrote, I was probably 10 years old, you know, just like, uh, just at, at my house, you know, cause I thought that was, I thought that was cool. I thought I wanted to do that. And then when I was in high school, I started doing it a little more seriously. Um, and, and it was just, it was just cause I wanted to sing, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and slowly, uh, you know, growing up in, growing up in small towns and stuff, like it's, it's kind of not frowned upon, but it's very like, it's a very blue collar thing to do to want to be behind the scenes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very, it's very like, like middle America values to like want to kind of stay back and like let somebody else have the spotlight and not want to hog the spotlight. Um, and so I kind of like, you know, in a lot of ways I, I pushed that down or like tried to minimize it. Um, even though I feel like those who, you know, people who knew me is kind of, kind of obvious that that's, you know, probably what I wanted to do from a really young age. And then when I went to college, uh, you know, I'd play these shows in Little Rock and it would sort of be this thing where uh, I was in a fraternity and all my fraternity brothers would bring people who'd bring people and I'd be selling out these clubs thinking I was hot stuff in college. And it was just, everybody just wanted an excuse to drink cheap beer and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and hang out. Uh, but really that was kind of like the first taste for me of like, I was writing songs and people would know these songs and they'd sing them back to me, you know, at these clubs. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. And, but, 
but after college, you know, everybody kind of like gets married and kind of dries up because, you know, they get jobs and have real life. And I was like, well, I, I, I guess that's it. And, and so at that point I started kind of like investing my, you know, time and, and musical creative energy and like what I was doing at church, like leading worship and stuff like that. And then, um, but it music, you know, like making and creating and, and performing, that was kind of like, it was kind of the dream. It just, it, man, it just wouldn't die. And so it was kind of at that point where I had these songs that I've been in college and I've written some more since then. So I went in and made a record and, and kind of in that process, like it started to wake up in me that I, you know, that there's, that I want to, I want to write songs. I want to, I want to play them, whatever that means. And, and kind of making that record, that's when Justin Moore saw me playing on a local morning TV show in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. I kind of got the, kind of got the invite to Nashville and, and my journey in Nashville like started out as a, as a I just want to be a songwriter. I want to do the major label thing, like, like whatever. And then the more, you know, the more success I was having as a songwriter, kind of the, the more the demand grew for me to, to sing those songs. And that's really where I'm at right now. It's kind of like this, just discovering that Adam Hambrick, the singer, and Adam Hambrick, the songwriter, they were always the same thing, you know. But that it's interesting that humility, that small town blue collar humility, followed you to Nashville, and it sounds like it's it's still kind of trailing you a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I got to hold on to that um, with mm-hmm. one hand while still reaching as as high as I can as I can go with the other. Um, uh, one of my favorite songwriters and storytellers, his name Stephen Kellogg. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's he's a guy out of the Northeast. Um, but but he had a song called Roots and Wings and talk, talking about give your children roots and wings and and uh, I feel like that's what my family did a pretty good job of um, and uh, and so that in my as I'm getting older um, you know the more I'm reaching the more I'm reaching back and I think that's kind of a human nature thing. stage singing but are you are you more comfortable now are you more at ease with being a performer as well as a songwriter you're like yeah this is what i do as well you know my my confidence uh my confidence is is in my singing and in my songwriting when i'm doing those two things i feel like i'm just in the sweet spot i'm in the flow i'm in the groove uh but you know it's all the other it's all the other artist stuff that that gets me kind of like uncomfortable in my own skin like the the idea of everybody like looking at me <laughs> you know like that's still that's still weird uh because that doesn't feel natural and and i don't really think that's natural for people uh in general i think there's a select few people um but i'm kind of coming to terms with it in so much as it gives me an opportunity 
when I'm comfortable in that way, it gives me an opportunity to do what I'm really good at, which is singing and, and writing songs. Well, that kind of explains, uh, like on YouTube, you have the, the blank slate sessions where you go in and you yeah. perform live with your band and it's just very stripped down and it's mellow and it's awesome. It's just, it, it really is just a hundred percent focused on, on the music and that's it. Yeah. You know, that I was kind of the, one of the first like forays into trying to make a, you know, produce video project and, and kind of like put out music in, in a, in an interesting kind of way. That was sort of like a, a restart because I'd put out an EP um, in 2014 um, called Wheels or Wings. And, and then I didn't do anything for about three years, like as an artist, um, we kind of shot that to some record labels and nobody bit. And so I was like, well, uh, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll just go back to writing songs. And it was kind of in that period where like a lot of my, you know, my success as a songwriter started happening. And, um, and so, so that I did those videos when uh, it just kind of came time, like, Hey, we need, we need something to put out so people understand who you are, what you do. And so that was kind of a reboot. And that's why I called them, called them the blank slate sessions. It was kind of a blank slate. One of the things I like about your songwriting is um, you, you avoid a lot of cliches. You um, write just very honestly and straightforward. And one of the things I, I think is interesting, I've talked to other songwriters who, I guess there's a mantra in, in Nashville among some songwriters, don't bore us, get to the chorus. But you're okay yep. with taking a little more time to kind of set the song up because you're you're really setting a story up. You're, you're more of a storyteller than – or you're as much a storyteller as you are a songwriter. Is that – am I picking up on that correctly or – No, man, I think you're dead on with who I'm, with who I'm, I'm trying to be, you know. And uh, who I'm trying to be is, is somebody who uh, – Per, you know, somebody who's good to make music for Bubba because Bubba listens to country radio and Bubba Bubba gets in his truck and and he has a you know he he's got a family he's got a job he works nine to five or longer than that and he and he busts his butt and and he doesn't have time for a lot of fluff right mm-hmm. and so I try to write songs for that guy but at the same time I want to I want to write that same song for somebody who's a little more like me. Uh, who needs a little more meat on the bone? Who who wants a little more of a wants a little more of a story? Wants a little more of wants to feel something and wants to be moved uh, by the music you, that you're listening to. And and that's really it, when it talks when I when you were talking a while ago about uh, we were talking about roots and wings. I mean that's really uh, I feel like at the heart of my my songwriting, like writing for people that I grew up with, um, while still writing for people who you know are music people and uh and get it and and want more depth and want more substance you know well that i mean and that explains an observation another observation i was going to make and that is you write in a very contemporary style but at the same time you can go full throttle old school country um and a perfect example of that is old habits miranda lambert and justin moore it, that song is i mean i could hear george jones and tammy wynette singing that jim yeah yeah, man, that was that was the first cut that I ever got. That was the first song that I ever got that was recorded by another artist. What really? Um, yeah, and that was the first one that let me. Uh, that that was the one that let me move to town because before when I wrote that song, I was still living in Arkansas, making trips back and forth, and so um, we wrote that song and and my my publisher sent it to Justin, um, and he played it for Justin the day we wrote it, and Justin's like, "Hey, man, I want to hold this song," and he held it for six months till he went in the studio and cut it with Miranda. And and that was kind of the thing that, you know, got 
got me the the pub deal that let me move to Nashville. No way. That's awesome. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't know that. The, that opening line, I say goodnight to an empty space beside me. The only reply is the beat of my heart. Bam! I mean, that just gets its claws into you. Man, that's emo as hell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I say goodnight to an empty space beside me. The only reply is the beat of my heart. I wake up and I make two black cups of coffee. The routine being with you taught me left its mark. These old, old habits die hard. I get in the car. Turn the radio on Expecting you to stay along But you never start It's a lonely road And I can't see where it ends Where I'm going and where we've been Are so far apart These old, old hands that though you just made me think that like really old school sad sorrowful country is not that far away from emo is it <laughs> oh no man that's what i that's what i grew up on um in the 90s uh, you know we didn't uh, we didn't have a lot of records or tapes or cds or whatever like we listened to radio and what was on the radio was vince gill like i've been trying to get over you i've been trying to It'll take dying, get it done. Get it done. Like those kind of things, man. Like, and and I remember being at the, being so young and and like not really knowing what that meant or what it was like to feel it, but I felt it, you know. And and that's really, I mean, that's always stuck with me. That's always, um, I've always been at like kind of emotional and always you know, kind of soft hearted. And, and so I sing those kind of songs, man. I, that's, that's really, that's the stuff that moves me. And that's the stuff that I want to want to do for other people. And yet your more contemporary stuff, including I think a lot of the stuff that, that you perform yourself, your popular kind of stuff has a real seventies kind of R and B feel to it. I mean, I, some of that stuff wouldn't sound out of place on like 
AM radio in the late 1970s. <laughs> they had groove back then, didn't they? Right? <laughs> it, does that um, also come, is that maybe an influence from what your parents listened to? Or I know that you have a wide range of influences, as do most songwriters these days. You've got so much to draw from, from so many different genres. Is that just another side of you? Yeah, it's it's definitely another side of me. It's funny. I tell this story about I used to sing in like talent shows and stuff and I was like fifth, sixth, seventh grade and, and uh I would like sing at these like local talent shows and if you win you get to go to the Mid South Fair and perform and if you win the Mid South Fair you win a two thousand dollar scholarship or you know, whatever. And and so I would I would do these things and and I remember singing uh I swear by John Michael Montgomery. I swear by the moon and the stars and the sky. And then a while later, these dudes came out. And they were called All for One, and they sang the same song, but it was so entirely different. I'll be there for better or worse, till death do us part. I love you with And I remember hearing them for the first time. I swear. And I was like, oh, I want to sing like those dudes. And, and man, it just opened me up in a way that just, it opened me up to pop music and to, and to kind of like R&B style, like vocal, mm-hmm. you know, stylings. And, dude, I wanted to do that. I, I remember having a fourth grade uh, music teacher. Her name was Miss Phyllis Chenault. And Miss Chenault, if you are out there, I I do hope you'll look me up and say hey, because I feel like uh, um, she was she was old school Mississippi, you know, uh, black gospel church lady. And man, that lady could wail, and uh, and we would you know we would sing together in music class, and she she let me come up and sing with her, and and dude, like those two things. All for one and uh, and Miss Chenault were probably my two like two biggest influences <laughs> toward toward that type of singing, and I just love it. Oh man, I love that, and I love this quote from you. Um, you're invested in country music, but at the end of the day, you just want to make good music. Period. And I mean, yeah. that just sums up what what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think I think Nashville is more like that now than than ever. I, I think Nashville is like simultaneously understanding its need to stay true to where it comes from uh, with regard to having one foot in most tracks, no matter what, no what, what the track is, like having one foot in the instrumentation or the vocal styling or whatever of something that is distinctly country. And you listen to the radio right now, most, you know, most people sing with a twang or there's a pedal steel in there somewhere and, you know, something, some of that effect. And, and that's really, even though I make music that kind of like pushes the boundary, um, you know, there's there is something that's distinctly country about every song uh, that I that I put out and that I make. When when you write something, do you know? I don't know. As you're writing it, or when you get finished and you step back, or maybe in the moment that okay, this is going to be this is going to be something we we pitch to Dan and Shay or. or we're going to send this over to Justin Moore, or do you just write it and then not worry about where it goes? But do you ever uh, do you ever watch the news on any given night, sure. and then it flips over to the weatherman, and the weatherman's like, 
looking like partly cloudy with a 70% chance of rain. I'd take an umbrella if I were you. And you wake up the next morning, and it's the most picture-perfect, sunny, and 75-degree day. Like, that's literally the music business. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> what it doesn't matter what you think about a song. Like, you can love the heck out of a song, but, man, there's there are zero guarantees. I cannot tell you how many times that I thought, man, this – I feel like this song would be perfect for so-and-so, but there's so many filters that go between the actual song itself to, well, then it's got to get to the right A&R person. That A&R person who hears it, they might have to, you know, they might've had a crappy day. They might've been cut off in traffic. They might've spilled coffee on their shirt when they got in the office and, and they might have their boss breathing down their neck and they not really care about listening to songs that day. Or, and then there's 75 filters on the other side of that person before the song gets to the radio, before the song gets to number one. And so, like, it, every song you write in Nashville as a, as a you know, professional staff songwriter, I can, you're, you're just throwing a dart into the wind 100, for 100 yards, hoping it finds remotely the target. Because <laughs> it's, it's so hard, man. It's so hard to, to predict. And, and if you get in the business of predicting, your confidence is going to get shaken real quick. So when you wrote a song like How Not To, um, you had no mm-hmm. idea that it would end up with Dan and Shay and would end up being what it became? Uh, well, let me tell you a story about that. Okay. So <laughs> oh, a month a month before I wrote that song, uh, I actually got I actually got let go out of my first publishing deal. So so I had the old habits thing, written old habits, and then had a couple like smaller smaller cuts on new artists, but I hadn't had anything after that. And so they're three years into my deal and they were, Adam doesn't really have a lot going on. We're not going to exercise the last option on his deal. And so they let me go, which is a fancy word for saying they let me go. They weren't going to pay me anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, and so uh, it was kind of in that moment, it was kind of a gut check moment because am I going to have what it takes to stick in here, stand and take the punches that Nashville throws? Um, Or am I going to end up washing out and having to move back home? and uh and figured out you know back in arkansas and um and i just i remember feeling uh beat up at the end of that year and i thought i had written my last song um and i was going to bed one night i thought i had written my last song of the year it was like mid-december i thought i was about to go back home to arkansas to see family and stuff for christmas i get a text from my buddies paul and kevin like, hey are we on tomorrow and i was like oh man I'm supposed to write tomorrow. I forgot about it. I didn't write, I didn't write it down on my calendar. I don't really want to write tomorrow, but I don't want to make these guys mad. They're in from LA. You know, they're nice dudes. And I, I made, I made a little space and I showed up and we wrote this song in like an hour and a half. Yeah, you're kidding. And it just, it just fell out. And, and I almost, I almost didn't write. I can honestly understand why it's over. I can go through the motions of walking away I can give you the key and take my things back I can find plenty of things to fill my days
but I, I feel like I feel like I was being taken care of that day, and all I had to do was show up. And I kind of try to take that kind of mindset with me, you know, where I go, and and nothing can happen if you don't show up. So much of Nashville behind the scenes seems like um, a, a mental and musical version of American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> yeah. There's so much stuff that you guys have to do and power through. But yeah, it is kind of, it is kind of a musical, you know, American Ninja Warrior that like this town plays it plays tricks on your on your mind, on your soul and on your uh and and kind of your sensibilities. Um I think every, every town in America has its own version of keeping up with the Joneses. It just does. You know, that's kind of our human nature. We look we look around and we look to see what everybody else is doing. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes that's good because it drives us and sometimes it's terrible because it drives us crazy. But um, in Nashville, it's kind of unique because everybody kind of runs together. Everybody kind of like runs, you know, in, loosely uh, in you know, in different circles, but all in the music industry, and you all kind of bump into each other. So you have, you know, you, you're going to eat breakfast at, you know, Edge Hill Cafe, and, and you look over there, and, and uh, Ashley Gorley's got, you know, 60 number ones or, you know, whatever the number is now. And then you walk you walk in, and even just being in the same room with that, eating lunch at the same, you know, tables, like being next to that kind of success when you don't have any kind of success, it feels – it, you feel kind of naked, you know, you feel like, and, and people tend to, in, in any, in any business, in any, uh, any arena, like they wear success, like clothes, they wear accolades, like clothes. And, and, uh, and when you don't have those accolades to cover yourself up in, man, you, you feel a little, a little vulnerable, a little out there. And, uh, you feel like people are looking at you and if you can get over that and you can just create and figure out what you're good at and, do that over and over again until that thing that you're good at becomes really, really compelling. Um, those are the artists and those are the songwriters that find their way and cut through. Is this, is, is all of this uh, one reason why you're doing more stuff? I mean, we talked earlier about, you know, you performing music, but you are making more of a, a, a bold step forward as um, you're less a songwriter than you are now a singer songwriter. And yeah. um, you've just released some terrific new songs, Sunshine State of Mind, the longer I lay here. Yeah. She's my sunshine state of mind. Her baby blues my sky. The longer I lay here, the more I forget the reasons why I don't just stay here and make the most of the time. Is this a kind of a way of maintaining a little bit of control over something that, by and large, you can't control? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It, it, it's maddening to sit on your hands, you know, for, uh, you know, when there's something that you feel like you have to offer and you just don't offer it. Uh, for me, when I, when I'm in that place, it's most of the time because of fear. And, and I just, I kind of decided I didn't want to be scared. And so I started, I started opening these doors and walking through them and, and, uh, I'm prone to fear anyway, as people are. Um, but man, I just decided that it, I I couldn't come to Nashville and just live scared, you know, and and that's really where I landed, and really one of the things that kind of pushed me into making music for myself.
I want to ask you about yeah. some specific songs and just have you give us kind of the lay yeah, of the man. land with them. Um, you, obviously, Justin Moore and you have a connection. He spotted you on a talent show in Arkansas and called us that, that story is really well known. Do you feel uh, an ongoing sense of, of kind of loyalty to him? You've given him some great songs, kind of don't care, somebody else will. I will never not be loyal to Justin Moore. Um, for one, I'll tell you, that dude is way better than he gets credit. I agree. Um, yep. He's got one of the best voices in, in country music. Absolutely. He's got one of the best voices in country music. He's he's a personality. And if you hadn't listened to his podcast, for goodness sake, go do it. He's funny as the day is long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also just because he's country as the day is long. <laughs> and like, and if you're not from there, dude, you're going to think it's hilarious. Uh, because because it is in like the best like most endearing way. But he seems like and, a perfect uh, outlet for that country songwriting side of you, the the, the side of you yes. that loves that old school country. It definitely is, and it's funny though. You talk about somebody else will. If you isolate the track and you take Justin's voice out of that track and you hear it, and you're like, this is a pop song. But when you put Justin Moore's like incredible twang on it. It's like, dude, that is a country song, and it's so funny how that how that works. His his voice is an entire country uh, instrument section in and of itself. You know, right. it's like a banjo and a fiddle and a pedal steel all rolled up into one stout little Pone Arkansas voice. Been sitting there tipping back crown straight, working up the nerve and the words to say to turn those eyes and that smile my way. No time to waste, cause you showed up and all eyes on you shining. Uh, Lindsay L., you've written some stuff uh, for Lindsay L., and, and this is yeah. kind of your more contemporary stuff. And one of the, the songs that I, I really love is uh, I Don't Love You, and it's such an interesting song because it's, what, six, eight time? I'm not, like, deep mm-hmm. into, like, musicality, but I do know that the, the time uh, uh, signature on that is is different. Were you at all trepidatious about that when you wrote it and, like, oh, who's going to cut this? Or were you just like, whatever, I like this. I'm going to go with it. This is another one of those songs that just sort of found its way out because uh, we were we were beating up beating our head against the wall about another idea and and it just wasn't quite right wasn't quite coming and and I didn't none of us in the room were like really committed to it and really excited about it and then uh, I just kind of kind of started playing around and singing this melody for this chorus and it was it was just sort of like six eight um, you know really emotional and really like singy thing and just started singing I don't love you I don't love you I just miss you sometimes and it just that thing just sort of fell out and you know we we wrote it and we didn't know if anybody had ever cut it we it, it, it we we thought it was cool but you know in a time when FGL is ruling the world and you know country radio is is tough to get a ballad played mm-hmm. um like that song we just sort of wrote it and it's like if it finds its way great and if it doesn't, you know, no big deal. We wrote a song that we love and think is cool. And then, and then Lindsay heard it like three years later. And she's like, Ooh, I love this. 
and it and man the 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 version that she cut with Dan Huff like absolutely took my breath away. It just it just stopped me cold. And it's my favorite vocal that I've ever heard from her. Mm-hmm. And uh and so man it just it just fired me up cuz she's become a really good friend and and she's been really good to me. And uh and so I was I was really pumped for her to have that song. I was really really bummed by the timing cuz uh cuz when the song, I guess, like died, or you know, the song died. I guess, like in April or uh, or whatever, uh, didn't didn't quite go very far on the charts. But it was kind of like when, you know, radio was making the shift. Like, hey, we got to play up tempo. Um, we got to keep people happy because the world is falling apart, and uh, we can't have a six eight ballad called "I Don't Love You." <laughs> so, you so see, there, there, there's another of, one of those moving parts that we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, and and so you you never know. Even though a song is great, even though uh, people love it, it just it has to be the right time, and and it wasn't the right time for that one. But I'm I'm really grateful for for what she did for that song. I don't open up a bottle with my dinner, cause I know that it's just gonna sit out on the counter and go bad, just like the leftovers you just said to leave at the restaurant. I don't go to anymore Cause I won't go alone So I pick up, take out, and sit at home I don't love you, baby I don't love you, no I think it's so important to remember that just because a song isn't a hit doesn't mean it's not a great song. And I'll, I'll give you a, uh, one example. I love uh, Fingerprints from the Eli Young Band. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it, it's a great, like, Friday night in Louisiana kind of song. It really is. And, uh, and we wrote uh, Days I Feel Alone with them on that, on that record and, uh, and old songs on that record with mm-hmm. them. And, and, that, and those were just two songs that they just, man, they – they just felt so good when we wrote them and, and I was, yeah, it's another thing. They, they, they feel like, they feel like songs that I'm glad found their way out. You show back up, songwriter now and I've, I've talked about this with some of the other songwriters that we've had on but you know in the old days you'd get album cuts like fingerprints or obsessed for dan and shade yeah. that don't become radio hits but that's how you know songwriters made money and that aperture has narrowed so so much for you guys mm-hmm. um and i know there are some songwriters that just simply aim for the bullseye every time they've got to swing for the fences every single time are you of that yeah. mind or because you're also able to sing your stuff are you able to i don't know have a little creative latitude that way um to date i haven't been able to get into the, the home run every time mode because i feel like to do that uh you you know i i've Last thing I want is to hear any 
anybody for anybody to feel like I'm disparaging any way of doing things. Uh, but for me, it, for me, it doesn't work because you have to go into cliche land a little bit, um, and you have you have to. Um, I mean, you. I, I do not want to say dumb it down, um, but you have you have to make it so simple and so instantaneous, and uh, for people to understand. And man, those those songs are really hard for me to write. Um, because I don't believe in those, I don't believe in those songs as hard. And so, you know, for me as an artist, if I sing it, it's not going to sound genuine. It's not going to sound real. And, um, and that's an, that's an important part of what I do as an artist. Now as a songwriter, if somebody wants to go there, I can go there with them occasionally Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, put my spin on that thing. Uh, but it's really hard for me to, to live in, you know, try to hit the, try to hit the radio home run every time. Even though I know that's like, this is a music business. We're here to make money, um, but I, I still need I still need the soul more than um, more than the rest of it. A lot of days. Where do you think that comes, where, where do you think that comes from? Is that just just who you are? Sometimes, honestly, it's uh, it's selfishness, and sometimes, honestly, it's uh, hubris, and sometimes it's needing <laughs> to needing to uh, you know know that I'm doing it better than everybody else or feel that feel like I'm doing it's you know it's that kind of thing it's like self-aggrandizing sometimes but uh when it's right uh, it's because it's craft and and I tend to be a guy that appreciates craft like I'm I'm gonna be the local restaurant over the chain uh restaurant guy more times than I'm not I'm gonna be the the small batch bourbon guy over the over the gym bean you know just (laughs) because I like I like I like people that labor over stuff you know um, I love the pe- I love I love when people try try hard to make something that's unique and really high quality and and sometimes that means doing things the hard way and I do things the hard way to a fault. Just ask my management. Um, <laughs> and you know so so that's that's really it that's really it for me. I just think when you take time and you you know and you go the long way around. I feel like you get to a place that's a little more meaningful more times than not. And, and meaning is important to me above just about all else. I love that answer. Well, good. <laughs> well, what, what got, what got you, what got you so invested in songwriting? You know, what made you kind of fall in love with, with songwriting and who are some of those songwriters and artists? Uh, God. Wow. Um, it, songwriting has always, and I've said this on other podcasts, so people who listen regularly uh, have heard this before. But to me, songs have always been kind of my poetry, um, and I, uh, yeah. I take life lessons from, uh, you know, a, from songs. You know, growing up listening to rock, and then I got into country in the 1980s, and um, and now I I will listen to anything if it's good. You know, I'll listen to it, and, and obviously, good is subjective. But I love. I love just great songwriters that can turn a phrase or make you look at something in a whole new way, a whole new light, or just, you know, simply affirm a way that you're feeling or, yeah. you know, show you a way out of a, a way you don't want to feel. I just, I have always looked for some kind of affirmation, I think, from from music. And that's not to say that I don't love a good mindless anthem. I, I do yep. as much as anybody else, something you can just sing along with a fat bottom girls. But um, I love being able to listen to something and go, wow, I, I hadn't thought of that before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 
and I think that's I think that might be the part of our brains that uh, that needs to watch a new episode of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, like, need to go somewhere that you haven't been before. And mm-hmm. whenever you whenever you hear those those people that make you do that, you you want to you want to see where they're going next. You know, uh, I love that man. That's great. Well, it's just like a well-written book, you know, and, and when you, you can tell when a song is really just well thought out. Everybody that I've spoken with is a great songwriter, but like, you know, Shane McAnally, the way that he is able to just, he's a shapeshifter when it comes to yeah, songwriting. Um, no doubt. You are too, a little bit. And and just to kind of wrap this up, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about your music. You've just, uh, by the way, for, for anybody that's on Twitter, Adam is one of the best follows on Twitter. Uh, you're funny. You release new music, um, but thanks, man. It's this time. This time of year, it's like funny Razorback football, Razorback football, Razorback football. <laughs> funny new music. Yep, that's been about the ratio. Well, uh, that's, that's it. But let's talk about a couple of the songs that we've already mentioned. But uh, "Sunshine State of Mind" that's a fun. That, that's just a fun. I would call it kind of a a, a mindless song. That that's that's yeah. one of those kind of songs you just kind of check your brain at the door and just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, I like to think of that song as both because it, you know, sonically like, dude, there's ear candy in that song for days. Um, my producer, Paul DiGiovanni, who I wrote how not to with, um, he, he produced that song. Uh, and that track is just, there's just melodic hooks in that thing all the way through. And so you can, you can, you can check out and enjoy it. Um, the thing I do like, I do like that. It's, you know, that it's also poetic. Like it's, like lyrically, it's you know there's some poetry uh, to it, and so yeah, I'm I'm really proud of that. She's like a warm wind blowing off the coast of Mexico, and her fingertips brush across my skin. Longer I lay here, uh, I feel like that song is almost the chip for the dip. That is Jillian Jacqueline's voice, um, dude. I could listen to that girl sing all day, and uh, and I was really pumped when she uh, joined me uh, on that song. I wrote that song with the, the dudes from Lanka. Uh, we were out on a mm-hmm. on a bus on a bus trip, and and we had been writing songs for them all weekend, and and. Uh, and and Trip and Chandler were like, hey man, let's let's try to write a song for your record. And I was like, all right, you can try. And then and then I had this title, and we just it was it was a fun, easy write outside of the cotillion in Wichita, Kansas. And then uh, I think some of the things that make that is the production. Um, Andrew De Roberts uh, produced that track, and dude, the drum sounds on that on that recording are are literal insane, and <laughs> it, it just it feels so good. Who do I gotta talk to? Who do I gotta bribe to hit the brakes on the clock, keep the sun out the blue sky? Cause you look like a million and you feel like more. 
got me wishing holding you was something I could get paid for. Your lips are a dream, so I wanna wake up. Your love is quicksand, baby. The longer I lay here, the more I forget the reasons why I don't just stay here and make the most of it. Songs. Are, are, are these working towards a new album then? Yeah, so we're, we're working towards a completion uh, sometime in the first quarter of next year. Okay, and has COVID kind of slowed that down at all? or It, it has slowed it down. We're supposed to have an EP in the spring. So we've, I kind of like went back to the drawing board and, and sort of was like, how can we put these out in a way that like we're still putting out music? But it kind of like wraps each one of these things kind of like wraps around a theme kind of breadcrumbs toward a full project And that's really what we're doing with these flip sides. It's like like we're gonna do three two song little vignettes mm -hmm. And then and then kind of complete that project in the spring. Hey, man yeah, Thank good. you so much for for taking time today uh, it's, it's great talking with you. I really I'm, I'm serious You are an exciting young songwriter and I, I love what you're doing and I love your your approach I think you've you've got your head screwed on totally straight brother thank you so much i appreciate you taking the time to have me on talk to me and, and uh, introduce my music to your your listeners um i appreciate it and and by all means y'all follow me on instagram and twitter and all that good stuff just at adam hambrick and i'll even tease to you guys um we got a cool tv thing that's coming up and so be on the lookout for that um because it's it's really going to be awesome so um yeah that's it man thanks a lot And that'll do it for this month's episode of Write You a Song. Thanks again to Adam Hambrick for being so gracious with his time. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social media and with others who love getting glimpses into the minds of some amazingly talented people. Write You a Song is a production of KNCI Radio and Bonneville International Communications. And next month, somebody I've tried four months to book, and it's finally happened. This one's for the good. Every time I hear that song. Sometimes. I wonder who you'd be today. She's written those songs and a lot more. Amy Mayo, next time on Write You a Song. Would you see the world? Would you chase your dreams? Settle down with a family. I wonder what would you name your baby? Some days the sky's so blue I feel like I can talk to you And I know it might sound crazy It ain't fair you died too young Like a story that hadn't just begun But death tore the pages all away